0: Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. You may have noticed some new voices on the podcast lately from my colleagues, Hannah Sale and Ash Miller. Hannah and Ash are going to be producing and hosting their own episodes of the show with the goal that we'll be coming to you with a new, exciting conversation about Minnesota at least every two weeks. So look out for more frequent Curious Minnesota episodes in your podcast feed. The Star Tribune is also looking for sponsors for this show. Do you know of an organization that would like to help support the Curious Minnesota podcast? Please send inquiries to advertising at StarTribune.com. Okay, on today's show we're going to be talking about the ancient history of the region that became Minnesota and the many people who called this place home before Europeans arrived. This discussion was prompted by a reader question about which Native American tribes historically inhabited Minnesota. For the answer, we are speaking today with Anton Troyer, a professor of Ojibwe at Bemidji State University. Dr. Troyer has written many books about Native American history and was featured in our story on this topic from last October, which was written by Star Tribune reporter Randy First. Well, Anton, thanks so much for joining us today. So to start off, I mean, obviously, this question is about what were the first indigenous tribes in Minnesota? But before we start talking about individual tribes, we kind of have to go back a bit further, right, and understand who were the earliest humans living in Minnesota. So walk me through that. What do we know about some of the earliest inhabitants of the state that became Minnesota?
1: Yeah, there's so much to learn. And frankly, if you're reading any book that's older than 10 years old, it's probably out of date. We know that there were ice ages when there were land bridges that connected America to Asia. And we know that the most recent one was active a little over 10,000 years ago, 10 to 12,000 years ago. So much moisture was up in the glaciers that there wasn't just an ice bridge, but a land bridge between continents. And most of the theories have been people came across then, but that's pretty much out of date now. Even just yesterday, there was the release of a new archaeological site in the Southwest that found human footprints that were dated at 21 000 to 22,000 years ago. Right. And, and this is not in Minnesota. This is also No that's in the that's in the, the American Southwest, right. White Sands area in New Mexico. And ultimately we're finding many other sites that are pushing those dates back tens of thousands of years. So we don't know who was in Minnesota prior to the last ice age there probably was someone. But we do know for sure that when the last ice age ended 10 to 11,000 years ago, that there have been human beings living here ever since. And this is partly based on archaeological evidence, right? Yeah, the archaeological evidence is beyond dispute. Brown's Valley man was a a human being who was found, dated, you know, that's telling us 10,000 years ago. Minnesota woman, 8,000 years ago. These things are undisputed evidence of human beings in Minnesota at that time. Mm -hmm. You got to imagine that's about the time when the first human beings arrived in what's now England. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so... There's no way around it. Native Americans are indigenous, not immigrants. And exactly which groups were represented is a whole nother question. Mm -hmm. We do know that from piecing together other parts of the historical and archaeological record, that even before the Ojibwe and Dakota, who are the contemporary indigenous peoples of Minnesota, there were other native people here. Hmm. And we know this because there's some tribes like the Hidatsa, Mandan, and Arikara, who are indigenous in North Dakota now, who are the only tribes in North America to keep an earthen lodge, which is essentially dug down into the earth, walled logs, kind of in an octagonal shape that's then covered with timber frame and then covered with earth. And it's a very unique structure of dwelling. And we do know that William Warren, who did some oral history with the Ojibwe and had firsthand accounts of the Ojibwe battle with the Dakota at Kathio, reported that the Ojibwe had attacked the Dakota there when the Dakota were living in earthen lodges. And it is most likely that the Dakota had actually displaced the Hidatsa at Cathiel in -hmm. central Minnesota and occupied their very structures. We also know that all of the tribes that are part of the Algonquian language family, there's 29 tribes in that family, come from one mother group. So among the tribes in that group include the Cheyenne and Blackfeet, who are way out in the plains. So either those tribes or their forebears before they identify themselves as Cheyenne and, and Blackfeet had to come through Minnesota and in all likelihood lived here for a while. Okay. So the
0: two like key discoveries that we just talked about, the Browns Valley man and Minnesota woman, these were sort of discovered in the 30s. You know, we're talking about a long time ago uh, that they lived 10,000 years ago, 8,000 years ago. That's like 8,000 BC, 6,000 BC, before a lot of almost all the history that we can think of if we, you know, think of Western right. history. And then uh, in addition to that, people can still go to the Jeffers Petroglyph site and actually see drawings that people did about 5,000 years ago. I mean, I mean, so that's another
1: sort of indicator, right, of when people were here? Yes. Minnesota has an ancient human history. It wasn't a scattered bands of roaming nomads in the wilderness. In fact, when you think about ancient Egypt, Phoenicia, Greece, the Romans, ancient Chinese civilizations, most of the most ancient stuff we know about is maybe 5,000 years ago or even more recent than that. But there were humans here. And they were not just living here and foraging for mushrooms, you know, they were building civilizations and art. Anyone in Minnesota can go to the Jeffers Petroglyphs. The site is managed by the Minnesota Historical Society and you can see the art and learn a little bit about the culture and imagine more about the first people of the land at a time when, you know, the precursors to modern civilization were starting to emerge in other parts of the world too. These are basically rock carved,
0: of what? I mean, what what kind of scenes would would you see if you were looking at these?
1: At the Jeffers petroglyphs, there's some isolated glyphs that just show a human or two or animals. Some of them depict hunting scenes. And so whether the site was a place of great spiritual importance or a population center or both is not definitively known. But to me, when I go to Jeffers, I sense the spiritual importance of the place as well. Well as its practical importance. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to go hunt bison, Minnesota was actually home to the densest herds of bison in all of North America. Mm. And we think of this as something you find when you go to western Montana, but that's because that's where some of the last populations of bison were located. The tall grass prairie region along Minnesota's western border and throughout southern Minnesota. Today, you know, we think of as the largest swath of grade A agricultural land in America, but at the time it was the the most nutrient rich grassland for bison in the world. Okay.
0: And so, moving toward the individual tribes that we know of, what do we know about when the Dakota arrived in Minnesota?
1: It's beyond dispute that the Dakota have been the dominant indigenous group in Minnesota from at least a thousand years ago up until the arrival of the Ojibwe in the region in the 1730s. And we also know that the DNA of Dakota people is at least as ancient as the most recent arrival of human beings in the Americas, meaning the ancestors of the Dakota have been here for, you know, tens of thousands of years. The emergence of the Dakota as a distinct tribe from other tribes in the Suyan language family, and their cousins include the Ho-Chunk and many other tribes from the plains, that, you know, the distinction between those tribes is a little bit foggier in terms of the historical record. But it's most likely that the Dakota emerged as a distinct group a few thousand years ago. And it's certain they've been in Minnesota for at least a thousand years. And the Dakota have a unique
0: story. I mean, they have a, a creation story and there's different versions of it. But maybe tell us a little bit about that, because the story is that they were created right here, you know, basically right in the Twin Cities in one the right.
1: main version of it. Right. Yeah. The Dakota creation story places the Dakota creation at Badote, which is the confluence of the Minnesota and Mississippi rivers. So there was a large Dakota settlement at what is now Fort Snelling. It's painful for the Dakota that Fort Snelling, which was used as the staging ground for dispossession of the Dakota, was built at one of their most sacred places. The Dakota women used to go to the islands in the river there for giving birth to their babies. So they would like give birth to their babies at the birthplace of the Dakota and so forth. And so this has spiritual significance for the Dakota. There are different views among some Dakota people. Some will say this is just our spiritual understanding of creation. And just like for some Christians who say the Bible is exactly. Exactly what happened. You know, there are many Dakota who have that view. Um, there's some others who say, well, what this really means is this is where the Dakota emerged as a distinct group of people mm-hmm. and the center of our population and things like that. There's also no doubt that the Dakota spread out and occupied almost all of Minnesota prior to the arrival of the Ojibwe. Some of the Arrowhead region in Minnesota was Cree territory at the time when the Dakota were in most of the rest of Minnesota. okay. Uh, But the arrival of the Ojibwe, which came later, really the Ojibwe don't even make it to the Western Great Lakes until the late 1600s and don't set up permanent homes in Minnesota until the 1730s. And before we get to the Ojibwe, so Dakota, like
0: we don't know an exact date as far as when they arrived. Is there an earliest archaeological evidence that we know of with the Dakota?
1: There's a lot of archaeological evidence starting about 1,000 years ago, maybe 1,200 years ago, that evidenced Dakota habitation in Minnesota. So distinct pottery styles, archaeological sites that have been pretty well verified to be Dakota. So we know at least that long. And so the Ojibwe
0: have an interesting story themselves because they started on the East Coast and then migrated here. And this is more in modern-ish times, right? So
1: tell us a little bit about that. We're talking 16, 17. 1700s, around that period. Right. It sometimes surprises people to know that our best estimates are that the indigenous population of the Americas at the time of Columbus was around 100 million people. And the estimated population of Europe at the same time was 88 million people. There were more people in the Americas than there were in Europe at the time of contact. So while we've been messaged about scattered bands of roaming nomads in the wilderness, and we all want to sing, this land is your land, this land is my land, the simple facts of history are that there was not room for everybody else who came, and it necessitated a taking. On the east coast of the United States, you had especially dense human populations. The land was well-suited for indigenous agriculture. There was abundant fish in the oceans and inland lakes, as well as large game and small game. And so the diverse ecosystems really supported a lot of humans. And once in a while, there would be a cyclical drought or something, and those humans would get into conflict with one another. And that was probably the practical origin of migration for people out of that area westward. This happened probably a couple thousand years before European contact, and it had been an ongoing process even through European contact. So the Ojibwe also have prophets, stories about prophets who appeared and said, move west to the land where food grows on water, understood mainly to be a reference to the wild rice. And over a period of a couple thousand years, the Ojibwe and the Ojibwe really weren't a distinct tribe when this started. They're part of the Algonquian kind of mother group, sometimes called Algic or Proto-Algonquian. And as we started to move, then we diversified in the Ojibwe, Ottawa, Potawatomi, Cree, and many other tribes split off and became different from one another as we became separated more from one another.
0: And they travel up the St. Lawrence River during this process? right?
1: I think it's fair to say the St. Lawrence Seaway was the main artery for that travel. There were already people in the Great Lakes. And so the Ojibwe made friends with many, fought some, and differentiated from one another. So this cultural evolution is really what gave birth to the Ojibwe, By the time you get to sustained European contact in you know, 1600, the Ojibwe population nucleus is around Sault Ste. Marie. Mm-hmm. And then it's another hundred years before the Ojibwe are moving into Northern Wisconsin. And really it's the 1730s when a chain of events sparks a conflict between the Ojibwe and the Dakota and the Ojibwe start to actively dispossess the Dakota and end up moving into most of Northern Minnesota and Central Minnesota during that time. Oh, okay. The Ojibwe even spread way out onto the plains and occupied a third of North Dakota
0: Okay, and now they're—is it fair to say they're most associated with the Malax area, or is it kind of all over northern Minnesota?
1: Oh, the Ojibwe are all over northern Minnesota. So there are eleven reservations in Minnesota today. Mm-hmm. Seven of those are Ojibwe reservations, and Malax is the southernmost of the Ojibwe reservations in Minnesota. But Red Lake, White Earth, Leech Lake are actually the most populous Ojibwe mm-hmm. reservations in Minnesota today. Okay.
0: Well, Anton, thank you so much. This is such a fast fascinating history. And it goes back so far. I mean, I feel like it's an underappreciated part of our state's history. So I appreciate you filling us in on it.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, when I think about even the history of English people, you know, the English language has only been spoken for 600 years. If you want to understand the history of England, you need to study the Celtic tribes and their connections to the people in England and the emergence of many kind of English speaking cultures, being an American is different from being a Brit and things like that. And it's weird to me that Minnesota has been home to native people for so many thousands of years. And we often start the history lessons with the arrival of the first white guy. So I think if we want to understand this land and we want to understand what is special about Minnesota, we should understand the humans who've called it home for so many thousands of years. Well, Anton, thank you so much.
0: This is great. Thank you. Okay, that's it for today's show. Do you have a question you'd like to see us tackle at Curious Minnesota? Or perhaps you have some feedback about this podcast. Send it to curious at startribune.com. And as always, anything you can do to help spread the word about this show would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.